Welcome to Vital Life Connection with Oren Rudolph. Discovering in Christ to love the life we live and learning how to live a life of love. Welcome to Vital Life Connection with me, Aaron, and I am excited to have Chad Burnett on with me for the show, and we have gone on a ride, and we are now in the last of these interviews with Chad, and I'm excited to hear the results. I'm excited to hear what this has meant and what lessons he has pulled out of this probably one of your darkest moments in life, but also probably one of the most impactful moments in yours and your family's life as well. So Chad, welcome back to the show. Glad to be back. And it's good to be able to speak to you again. So last week we ended off where you were heading in to get your final results. You have gone through plan B of your chemo and now you are getting your results. Take us from there, because obviously you had mentioned there were feelings that you were experiencing during this time, and uh, maybe also your wife and uh, was also experiencing something together. So take us from that point. At that point, I was the one experiencing fear. I was the one that was filled with those what-ifs. She wasn't. Okay. At that... At that point, I was the one that was, I was filled with fear. All the, all the what ifs coming around, thinking like, we've done so much, we've given so much, we fought through so much, and there's no definitive answer. This could still go a number of ways. And Brittany was the one that was, she was optimistic. She was saying, no, this one's going to work. This one your faith is going to pay off that everything's going to be okay. And that if you let this creep in, then you're letting the cancer come back. If you let these doubts come around, you're the one poisoning your mind. And that was hard for me to hear Mm -hmm. because I've always, I've always seen myself as a strong one and seeing myself and realizing that I was vulnerable it was, it was a challenge, but you know, this was, this was my life. This was everything. And we had everything riding on this. And then I went in for the test mm-hmm. and whenever I went in there, I was very stoic <laughs> and I, I walked in there and you know, we, we did the exam, which, um, which was very similar to another MRI laying down hands above your head in a machine going in and out and then just waiting. And I remember that we took the test on a Thursday and they said we'd have results by Tuesday. Wow. Over that wasn't, that, yeah, must have that, been a horrible weekend. that wasn't going to fly. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way we can wait this long. I can't wait till Tuesday. So we called on Friday and we called on Friday and they're like, no, quit, quit pestering us. You'll get the results when you get the results. <laughs> So we did. We had the weekend, and we went out that weekend, and we had fun. We went out to dinner. We had a good time with the family, and that's what we focused on. All this negativity that I had in the back of my mind, my family made sure that it was taken away. They made sure that I only had this positivity and this joy and this love surrounding me. 
because no matter what the answer was, I mean, the answer was going to be good or it was going to be bad. Either way, being negative wasn't going to impact the outcome. And I really needed to, uh, to make sure that that was, that was resolved. So that weekend was a good weekend. And whenever we were done, Monday morning, Brittany's calling for the results that aren't supposed to be there till Tuesday. <laughs> and she got a nurse. And the nurse says, well, I've got the results right here. And she goes, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So she was, she was at her work. I was at mine. And she works just across the street from me. So she ran through the parking lot into my office. And she said, hey, they've got the results. Set the phone down on speakerphone. And I said, what are, what are the results? And she goes, well, the doctor hasn't looked at them yet. And I really hope I'm not getting a nurse in trouble here. Because the doctor hasn't looked at them yet. He hasn't put notations <laughs> on them. But I can see the results. And... Everything's coming back showing no activity. Wow. And it was those two words, no activity. We thanked her. We said, you know, being on Tuesday to talk to the doctor officially, hung up the phone, and then, then the, the emotions came out. Everything that had been bottled up, everything that I'd been holding back, all that fear was gone now. All that joy that they had put into me just released and the tears came out and I don't think I'd had a moment like that in in six months wow. going through this this treatment having all these unknowns and having that unknown lifted off of me having that feeling that they were right things real this really was beatable that there was an other side to this that all those plans that I had made with everybody that now those were going to come to fruition it was a uh, it was a powerful moment and I remember on Tuesday going in to see the doctor. He came in and we talked and shook hands and he took out the results and he said, you know, we're showing no activity here. It looks like the treatment was successful. Laid out the game plan. I'll need to come in every six months. I need to come in and get checked out just to be sure. Um, it's a good safety precaution and one that I'm taking very seriously because I can't, I can't wait around on my health anymore. I have to be proactive on this. But it was at that point, after all the treatment, that I said, okay, can you give me the full diagnosis? Like I know, I know I had Hodgkin's lymphoma, but I never asked that question, what stage is it? I never asked that question, how far along was it? I never asked that question, how much long, longer did I have if I didn't start my treatment? And he looks at me and he goes, well, we measure it between stage one, two, three, and four. And then if it's 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A, or 1B, 2B, 3B, 4B with four being the worst, and if it has a B subset after it, that being the worst. And I said, okay. So what was I? And he goes, you were 4B. Oh, my goodness. And I said, so that, as worse as it can get? He goes, yes. He goes, it was outside of your lymphatic system. It had impacted other organs. Um, it was in your spleen, you know, the bone marrow. He goes, this was, this was as far along as I'd ever seen in my career. I had never seen it this advanced before. Wow. And I said, well, then how did you know we were going to be able to beat this? And he goes, I knew. You know? <laughs> I knew we could beat this. He goes, you're young. You're healthy. You're, you're will, you were willing to give it everything. He goes, that's, the, uh, that's what it takes. You know, not, not hesitating, jumping into it, committing to it fully. He goes, I knew we'd be able to get through it. So whenever I walked out of there, I'm like, well, I don't, you know, you don't feel like you beat cancer. You know, it's, it's something that's always in the back of your mind. Right. It's always like it could come back. You know, this isn't, it's not a fight that you win. It was a, it was a sickness that you had, you know, 
And, but to walk out of there thinking, my, my life was there. I was, I was on that line. And I've pulled back to where I am today. It was, it was something that uh, I don't think I'll forget that feeling ever. Wow. So this whole journey that you have taken with cancer from A through Z, going through the whole aspect of finding out in a hospital room, three in the morning, to the point of a nurse telling you at least is negative, and then your doctor saying, well, as you said, there's been a victory, a major victory in your life. Yes. What are some of the, because you've, you know, everybody knows Psalm 23 and Psalm 23 talks about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, but then it talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And I, I can't fault the fact that you are the one that's pretty much, you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, the shadow of death must have hung over you through this entire experience. What are some of the gems, some of the lessons, some of the things that you have pulled out of this whole journey? You have mentioned a few, but maybe you want to mention them again. And how have those lessons changed your life? And how can they change other people's lives? And what, is it, what does your future look like? And through this whole thing, and I'm asking you many questions, and I might reiterate one or two of them. <laughs> How has it impacted your relationship with your family, your wife, your children, and also with God during this time? So that's a lot. Let's start with the first part. What are some of the lessons that you've learned? So whenever, whenever I went to the doctor initially, he gave me the, the diagnosis. One question that I had was, what did I do? You know, like I said, I, I wasn't... I wasn't a health nut, but I did have a relatively healthy lifestyle. So what, what did I do that caused this? And what he, to, you know, what he told me is there, there was nothing you did. He goes, this isn't a diet. You know, this isn't something like you, you're smoking and increasing your odds of getting cancer. There's nothing in your lifestyle that made this happen. This is genetics. It's luck of the draw. This could have happened to anybody. You know, there are certain things that, Throughout your past, if you, you know, got sick in a certain way, if you had certain treatments, just little things that can add or take away from it. But at the end of the day, there's not, there's not one lifestyle thing that you did that brought you here. And that answer didn't really sit well with me because it wasn't true. What had brought me there to that point, what had allowed things to get that far, it was denial. It was pride hubris, an unwillingness to ever admit that there was a problem, that I could have a problem, that was that, that, that feeling that I always need to be invincible, that I could never get sick, and that I should never get this looked at. That's, that's what brought me here. And it's been hard giving that up. You know, that, that sense that I, you know, I can do anything and that, oh, it's just take a, take a Tylenol and I'll be fine. <laughs> so getting rid of that pride has been tough. And I will say, you know, our health is the, is the first thing we neglect for whatever reason, the most important thing we have, right. but we, we let it go. So making the changes in my life that if I need to go to the doctor, I will. If I have something that needs to get looked at, I'll get it looked at. Letting go of that sense of invincibility, um, it took a lot. It really did. But, you know, here I am on the other side. So I'm very, I'm very happy for that. And 
if there's any listener that's going through a health concern, not even a crisis where you haven't identified the, the problem yet, but just a concern, get it checked out. Mm. Find out what the problem is. Find out what the underlying issue is um, because you don't, things don't get better with more time, you know? That change oil light doesn't go off on its own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That, that, is, that is so important because, you know, as I said, living in a home with a health professional, that is something that she always tells her patients. Your health is the most important thing you have. And if it's gone or you mess it up, there's no, in many cases, there's no second chance. And so take care of your health. And that's the problem with when you're young, you think you're invincible. But the truth is you're, not, you're never invincible. And so very good. Now, you had also mentioned uh, earlier, tell people that you love them was something that uh, was very important to you. Talk to yeah, you and that's, that. yeah. that's, you know, whenever, whenever we're going through something bad, it's very easy, or whenever we have a friend or a loved one that's going through something bad, it's easy for us to reach out to them. We, we know that the barriers are down when somebody has a tragedy in their life. And when those barriers are gone, we can open up to them. We can talk to them. We can reach out to them. But the question is, why, why is that barrier ever up? Why do we feel like we can't talk to our loved ones and tell them we love them? Why do we feel like we can't go to our friends and see what they need? Why do we feel like we have to have these walls around us? And taking those walls down and keeping them down, that has been one of the biggest changes in my life being able to open up to people, being able to talk to people and be genuine, be my true self and let them know how I feel without, without having to filter everything. I mean, we have to filter some of the things we say. Um, nobody likes it if you're overly blunt. <laughs> right, right. But being able to be honest, um, we feel, or we, we have this aversion to honesty. We feel almost like we need to put on this persona that to make people like us. And if we have a genuine moment with somebody, we don't really know how to react to it. But it should be the opposite. We should be, we should be who we are and we should seek out those genuine moments. Mm -hmm. We should try to find a way to truly have that, that level of, of human connection. Seek it out with strangers. You know, if you sit down next to somebody, there's no reason you can't talk to them. Mm. If you see somebody that's struggling, there's no reason you can't say, hey, do you need a hand with something? Right. Being able to reach out to others, that's... You know, like I said, that's, that's where the church exists. The church is people finding yes. out others in need and helping them being that support. Even, even the smallest level of support may be what that person needs in their life. Just a friendly hello, just to say hi to somebody to, you know, put the phone down, put the newspaper down, look people in the eye and, and be in the moment with them. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that is so true. That is so true. Anything else that you can think of? I know I'm putting you on the spot here before I ask my next question. But is there anything else that as you went through this long journey that really stuck with you, uh, a lesson that maybe you are kind of now living your life on that you learned during this time? You know, there, there is a really good lesson of uh, don't be afraid to live while you're alive. <laughs> Whenever whenever you're sitting down and you're immobilized and you're exhausted and you don't have the energy to do everything and you realize, boy, there's a lot of things I could be doing. There's a lot of things I wish I had done. There's no reason to, to wish. Whenever you're able, 
whenever you have the energy, the stamina, you don't even need the money. Just go out and live your life. Mm. You know, like I said, you know, I, I ate relatively healthy, a lot of, a lot of salmon, lots of chicken breast. It wouldn't have killed me to have a couple of steaks in there too. You know, Amen, <laughs> you can reach it. You can <laughs> don't, uh, don't fall into gluttony, but there's no reason you can't have a robust lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> Live life. You know, one of the things you yeah, had vital life uh, connection and uh, with my company, one of the reasons I called it vital life is because, you know, life is too vital to not enjoy it. And I think a lot of times we live life in this rat race. And the problem with being in a rat, you know, being in a rat race, it just makes you a rat, right? And no matter what, I don't want to be a rat. I want to be a, a human enjoying this human experience with other humans and connecting with other humans and enjoying this experience together. And so you are so true. You know, I think the perspective that this has given you and I'm sure if any of us go through it, is that life is important. Life is, you can truly enjoy it. Don't, don't wait until situations like this happen to come to that revelation. I did ask a couple of other questions, and so let me just ask those for you right now. And that is, how has this affected your relationship with your, your spouse, with your children, with your family first, and then finally, how has this affected your relationship with your creator? There are nuances to every, every relationship, but fundamentally, it's the same answer to every one of them. Uh -huh. Whenever you get to see that expiration date, whenever you get that feeling that it's a very limited amount of time and everyone around you feels the same way, everyone's concerned, you start to realize how big of a role you play. Mm. You know, whenever, whenever you get caught in the monotony, you feel like you're just a piece of a bigger puzzle, but the, the puzzle out there is bigger than you. And that's, you know, you're, you're just this, this infinitesimal speck, but you're not, mm. you know, to, to my daughter, I was her whole world. And I guess I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that, you know, being this cornerstone in her life with me and Brittany right there making up everything that she knows that my loss would have taken so much away from her. Mm. And there's a responsibility that goes with that. You know, I can't just, can't just parent her by putting her in front of the TV. I can't just kind of be hands off. I'm so important in her life that the more involved I am, the better she's going to be. And the same with my wife, you know, you feel like you have this relationship in your marriage, you're both working together, but what are you doing? You know, you're paying the bills, you're keeping the house clean, you're doing the laundry and the monotony sets in and you just feel like, like you go to work and you do your job and you come home and you do your job. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. Right. The two of you, you're, you're a partnership and understanding the way that you actually partner together, understanding the importance you have on each other's lives and how you are more than the sum of your parts, that's what makes the difference in a marriage, realizing how much more you can do together and how much more you mean to each other. Mm. Mm. And even the same way with your religion, your relationship with God, you think of yourself as being so tiny. And then you, you realize whenever you see the rest of the world, what more could I, what impact, what impact can one person have? 
You know, that's a really big question. Think about that question being asked 2000 years ago. Right. What impacts can one person have? You may not have a world changing impact, but there's so much that you can do yes. and you don't have to wait. You don't have to, you don't have to wait for the sign to put it that way. That lightning bolt from the sky to hit you. Yeah. It's something that comes from you and goes outwards. It's something that reaches upwards instead of something upward reaching downward. Uh-huh. And, and having that relationship, realizing the impact that you can make on the world around you by seeing all the impacts that other people make on you right. and realizing that, yes, you know, we, we are in this together. And if we actually have those real human connections, we all come out stronger for it. Amen. Wow. Well, Chad, this has been a fascinating journey. I think that when you look at other people and where they are in life, you, you don't realize what they've been through. And it's so easy to look at successful people and be jealous about their success, but you don't realize the shoes that they had to wear to get to that success. And in your case, the shoes you've had to wear for some of the great things that are still going to happen in your life through the story, because I know that the story that you've told is going to impact other people and many other people. I wouldn't want to go through that story, but the beauty of that is that God can take what seemed to be evil and turn it for the good. And that's what he's doing in your life and with your family, your friends, and the people that you're going to be touching with the story. So once again, thank you so much for telling us your story, for opening up and sharing this experience that you've had so appreciate it well thank thank you for giving me the uh, the venue to tell my story i do appreciate that i i hope even if only one person has touched by this that it was worth it oh definitely one one life changed is more than worth it so once again thank you chad and thank you listeners for listening to this uh, edition of uh, vital life connection and we've been speaking to chad now, if Chad, if uh, people would love to come and, you know, are listening to this and they say, man, this would be great for him to come and share at our group, at our church, at our, uh, at our meetings, uh, would that be something that you'd be open to do? Always. I'm always there to help. So if, you wanna, if they want to get hold of you, Chad, how could they do that? Uh, the best way is through my email address. It's Chad R. Burnett, C-H-A-D, the letter R. B-U-R-N-E-T-T-E, and that's at gmail.com. Good. So if you want Chad to come and share it to your group and just share his story, it's such a powerful story, uh, or at a, uh, you know, wherever, at your business, at your company, maybe you just need some encouragement to get people realizing strength they have and life is important, and you want to get Chad to come, you can get him at his email address or uh, get hold of me and I'll be able to get hold of Chad at my website at uh, rnrudolph.com or you can uh, get me through the, my email at coach at rnrudolph.com. Thank you very much once again and we'll be back with another fascinating episode at Vital Life Connection. We thank you very much and have a great week. Thank you for listening to Vital Life Connection with Oren Rudolph. For more information on other available teaching, please visit our website at orenrudolph.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash orenrudolph.